What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver and gig economy news. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RideshareRodeo.com, MiddletonTech.com, WithPara.com, and of course, Curry.com. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. Howdy, 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 everybody, and welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo. This is episode number 99, people, number 99. Comes after that one, we all know. It's a big one. Um, so this week, uh, this is the last podcast, the rodeo podcast of the year, and then the last live stream of the year will be with William Anderson on Thursday. Um, he is going to be coming through town and I hope as everything times out perfect that we get to do our live live and, uh, um, that'll be very cool. So stay tuned. Um, today I am going to have Ron Walters on the podcast who have not had on in a little bit. And I always love having Ron on. It's a fun way to end the year. And we're going to look into the, um, to the Ron and Steve looking glass of 2022 and, uh, just kind of talk about, uh, gig work and uh you know maybe where it's kind of starting to head and you know again just kind of knowing your personal worth and all that kind of stuff that we like to talk about uh especially wrapping up this year because it's been some a common theme here and then next week uh for the live on thursday i have hannibal is hungry and on tuesday before that will be the hundredth episode next week, and I have Jason Thierry from the Gig Economy podcast is going to join me, and uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. So make sure you catch us next week too. Uh, Jason and I probably are just going to run through some news and do some other fun things and whatnot. Not really sure the layout of that one. Um, the the this is uh, this podcast today is one I've wanted to do for a while. And so I'm going to bring Ron on because we always run over. <laughs> and uh, um, I'll come back on the other side. Okay. All right. So welcome back to another week of Rideshare Rodeo. I'm uh, really excited to have Ron on. It's been a while. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about just, um, you know, what's going on right now and maybe hopefully a better year for gig platforms next year. But um Ron, thanks for uh, coming on. It's always it's always really nice to have you, and it's been a while. So and I get to end yeah. the year with you, and it's my 99th episode. Wow, wow, <laughs> getting up there. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and and Merry Christmas, and yeah, uh, same to you. You know, Happy New Year coming up here. Yeah, so, absolutely. Doesn't seem like it should be the end of the year yet, but it's probably a good thing it is. <laughs> you know, I'm last year. I was trying to think. Last year, I don't even think. I cared that it was new year's. I was, I knew we still weren't anywhere out of this. You know, we were switching from Trump to Biden. It was like a a lose to a lose. 
So it was like, you know, like what's really going to happen in this new year? I don't know. And so yeah. like, I just didn't feel any really feel anything about it. But right now things are so crazy and upside down. I just feel like I, I honestly, I don't want to curse it, man, but I feel like next year has to be a good one. It just does. Yeah. I saw a meme, um, at the end of last year that, uh, you know, and then it popped up again on my Facebook memories or something like that, that it was like, uh, how appropriate is it that, uh, we're coming up on a year that sounds like 2021, you know, I know like yeah. 2021 was 2021. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. we lost. <laughs> no, I mean, and so we've, we've got to start going back to normal, no matter how people feel about what and what and what we've just got to quit going back and forth. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, especially when everything's just, I mean, I'm not, this isn't political. This is just a fact. Like n- nothing's really known still. I mean, we've been told to mask what, like 30 times <laughs> and then you don't need yeah. to. Okay. Mask. You don't need to. Okay. Mask. I mean, like enough guys, like we know what everything is. We know that they build that really big around the holidays because people travel and you're going to be in different States. And then if there's a, an outbreak, they can blame it on the fact that people weren't masking and this, and it's just, yeah. it's, it's getting old. I think it's we like can a, all read the playbook now, you know, Mr. Miyagi mask on mask yeah, off. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's gotten ridiculous and there's never, and, and we always talk about science, but there's never science behind it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, if there was, we would stick with one. <laughs> and like Ron and I, if, if you guys don't already know from previous episodes, we were talking about before, but we live in the same state. At least our governor has kind of, I think recently he was kind of unimpressing me for a while. I voted for him um, for Polis, but then he was unimpressing me for a while. And just recently, you know, he kind of seemed to have that new attitude of, you know, look, we got to be open. People have to just be able to go do things and, so even if we're still having masking, at least he's kind of loosening the reins a lot more than other states. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was interesting. You know, we drove a little bit uh, before the holidays and uh, had a family wedding back in Nebraska. It was interesting just to see, I think kind of the differences as you go from place to place and, you know, where they're a little more strict, a little less strict, I think, you know, doing deliveries, I've tended to probably stay, even when they were laxing, you know, letting off a little bit, I still tended to probably keep my mask with me oh, yeah. uh, on deliveries. And and most of it was, most of it, I think, was kind of for sake of appearance because you never knew if the customer was going to get really concerned about somebody without a mask handling their food. So for me, it was just out of a courtesy. And uh, it was like, you know, whether, you know, whether or not it really made a difference or not, um, at least I was going to have the mask on just for the sake of some of the other people there, as far as oh, what yeah. their concerns were and some different things like that. And especially in a, let's say a customer service type of role. And, and so, you know, I don't know, but it's just, it has been really interesting just seeing, I think, just the division over it. Yeah. And, and it's been, 
I think that's been maybe the hardest thing for me the last couple of years is just to see us even more divided. And I wasn't sure that was possible, but no, but it is. And it's it's awful. I mean, it really, it's going to be hard to come out of this. It is. Even when, even when things are, are really truly better and staying better. And when we're not like, pointing fingers at Omnicrom or this or that, or the, right. you know, it's like when we finally start getting out of this, what, what does that look like? You know, is everybody going to like go out and talk and be nice to each other? Or is there still going to be this like yeah. bitterness? I don't know. I, <laughs> you know, it's, I'm, I mean, what you I'm were saying about the mask, I can totally get that because if you were yeah. delivering food to me and I look out the window and I'm like, sweet, our food's here. And if you didn't have the mask on too, I was thinking like, you know, okay. Yeah. If I saw you coughing, walking up, but like you, nothing wrong. You just had a quick cough. Mm-hmm. I still might freak out. Sure. You could not me and, necessarily, but you never know that person right. might go, what the heck dude, he just coughed. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I always thought that, you know, at the point that I'm bringing somebody's food to them, it's not about whether or not it's right for you to force me to wear the mask or any of that stuff at that point, it is like, it's me trying, you know, bringing you your food and bringing it to you in a way that makes a difference to you, you know, that, that, uh, um, I don't know. I, it's just, everything changes. It seems like to me, especially when I'm handling somebody's food. Right. And, and, you know, and, and perceptions, I, I think more than anything. And that's one of those things that it's just always, I, I had a boss back when I was in telecom that, oh, I hated him sometimes, but you know, the, there was one time we had a conversation that the customer was really unhappy and, and they were completely out of bounds. You know, there was no question about it. And, but he was kind of like, yeah, but what could you have done differently? You know, how could you have changed the customer's expectation? And, you know, and I was, I was, I was mad because it was kind of like, I didn't do anything wrong, which he was right. But the reality is when you're running a business is that you can't control what the other customer is doing. You can't control those situations, but you can, there are things you can do to be proactive and, and try and set a perception and, or, or, you know, to set you know, do what you can to kind of set the expectations, do what you can to control it as much as you can, and you minimize those possibilities. So I learned a lot from him on that. And that was something that I always tried to take into my, you know, the delivery work that it was kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, that we, we can't do anything about those customers that are just unreasonable. Um, but there's a lot that we can do in the way that we act that can really avoid a lot of the problems too, you know, and you were, you and I were talking offhand before, uh, before we started this and, you know, like you were talking about doing ride share and sometimes just the, the way you handle yourself and the way that you made eye contact and all those different things that, um, that really were proactive as opposed to, you know, I mean, being aware of your body language is huge, Mm -hmm. especially in rideshare. I I would say actually now too, in, in, you know, delivery, even though it's, it seems to only really be specific cities. It's not as much like rideshare where people 
rideshare always drivers get in situations a lot lately, but like Chicago, we were talking about Chicago recently and like now Chicago delivery drivers are being targeted by like 16 year old kids who are, who are calling an order of food over to their neck of the woods that gets there. And they, you know, put the guy at gunpoint, either shoot him or don't take the car, but it's not even to strip it. It could be just like some old beater car and they just go Mm -hmm. joyride. Yeah. And then ditch the car. I mean, it's gotten to that. So even the delivery drivers in Chicago, I don't know, every gig app I'd be careful of because. Well, no kidding. You're, you're a moving target over there in all of them. That brings up a different thought, which, you know, getting off on a tangent, but you know, these things that are starting to happen more and more often, you're just hearing of, you know, uh, drivers being targeted, different things like that on delivery. And so what do Uber and DoorDash think? This is a great idea. Let's start doing cash on delivery now. Let's start having the drivers carry cash. Right. Like this is a brilliant idea that, right. you know, one one of the best things I think from a safety standpoint was because everything was done in the app. You know, you never had to worry about whether the, the delivery person was driving, you know, was was carrying cash. And but now all of a sudden we're going to start having customers pay with cash. So you got to carry change. You're gonna you're gonna receive the cash. And now all of a sudden, people out there are like, hey, he could have cash on him now. And that changes the game, I think, as far as safety and stuff. Yeah. And I, it's just like, who thought that this is a great idea? And who has who has cash on them that doesn't have a credit card? Yeah. I mean, so that the person paying cash might be like, sweet, you take cash. Cool. I've had cash for a while and I got nothing to do with it because I always use my card. You know, it's like, well, it shouldn't be used in a ride share or a delivery service. You know, like, let that be on the card. No, it's just it opens up so many, so many potential problems. I think that it was just like this is the, the second dumbest idea ever. And and the first dumbest idea is Uber Eats saying we're going to start hiding information, but that's another tangent I could go down on. Right, well, <laughs> we're trying to go positive here. So well, but we have to talk about where it's at to talk sure. about how it goes positive. I mean, because yeah. another thing I was going to say is that um, you know here we are ending 2021 and DoorDash is trying or they're attempting employee status in New York. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Like, I mean, I know what it means, but I don't know what that looks like. Why? Why are you trying this? You know, I, you know, this is something that, and I actually did this as my end of the year post in 2019. Yeah. And I called up my Christmas present to the delivery companies. And it was kind of like, you want to dominate in the delivery industry. And the best way to do that is to be great at delivery because that's the big problem that they're all terrible at it. You know, they're all terrible at delivering a good end result. Everybody hates them. The restaurants hate them. The customers hate them. The drivers hate them. And so much of it is because they've got no control over the end result, you know? Right. And so I said, if somebody came up with a model where they came at it with a logistics oriented approach, 
And that might require using employees because to do that, you've got to have the employee, you've got to use employees because you've got to tell people that, yes, you're taking that delivery and yes, you're going to behave this certain way. And yes, you're going to wear the uniform and all that stuff. You can't do that with independent contractors. Right. And if somebody could come in and find some way to be just incredible at the logistics of it all. And I think that there's a way that you could do that even in a cost-effective way. You know, I, I took that further in that post back then. I said, you know, maybe somebody needs to develop a hub and spoke model where you've got somebody that's just going around within a region and they're picking up the food and they're taking it to a hub. And then somebody else is picking it up from the hub then and picking it up with three or four other meals going to the same place right. and dropping it off. And if you could do that with an efficiency where you're handling several different deliveries in a very short amount of time, you know, not, not like Grubhub saying here, we've got two ice cream orders and they're 10 miles away from each other and they're in opposite directions, you know, but, you know, something that's really efficient, I think somebody could just do a fantastic job of it. They'd have to be really big on the technology. And so, there is a piece where I think that they could do that, but you know, the problem is, is that um, now in New York uh, where they're doing that, it's not the normal deliveries. It's some of these ultra fast deliveries. And uh, there, there are a couple of places that have started ahead of time. I think Joker was the name of one. And there was another one. I actually, I think there were two German companies or something like that that started out with this and they used employees. And the reason that they did that was because to be ultra fast, they had to be able to tell their drivers that, yes, you've got to pick this up. You know, they couldn't, you know, put it out on the app and hope that it gets picked up. Right. And so that's the way they did that. And that's the model that DoorDash is trying this out on. It's not all their deliveries or anything like that. It's just this, you know, super fast. Um, right. I saw store that. Store delivery that for, type thing. Yeah. Was it? So it's groceries too, right? I, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's I um, something about like an, you know, an hour delivery time in New York city. And I was like, what? Right. <laughs> right. so my guess and is I think with to that make is that, that happen that and just say, yes, you're going to employees has to right. like, there's no dropping the order. There's no, you get it. You have to go get it and get it to them. And there's no, you know, cause people get to restaurants right. and like it's crowded. I'll just drop this one, pick up another and, or it's not you ready. Know, I'm going to drop this. And you compare that to like Grubhub trying to do this thing where it's like, we're going to get this delivery to you within so much time or else, you know, you, you get this, you get certain amount of your money back or something like that. And, and I just, I don't see that working because what that does is that almost kind of requires them to, well, what they do now is. They send, they send us the order the same time they send it to the restaurant, which they've always done that. That hasn't changed. You know, right. it's always been, we just notice it more now because they're so much slower than they were, you know, three or four years ago. You know, four years ago when I first started doing Grubhub, um, they were so busy that the orders kind of stacked up. So Right, and the restaurants it wasn't were happening open right too, away. and the restaurants yep. weren't used to these orders, and this was all new to... I mean, right. now it's everything's been shut down. They've all been running ghost kitchens only with these yep. platforms. Yeah. So they've gotten it a lot more dialed. And so, you know, Grubhub does this thing where they're... Uh, 
you know, they're saying, okay, we're going to give it to the driver the same time as we give it to the restaurant. And so the driver gets there 20 minutes before the food's ready. Well, there's not a whole lot they can do because they're cracking down now on drivers unassigning too much and they're deactivating drivers for that, or they're cracking down on drivers not going to the restaurant right away. Back in the day, you know, if, if I had that happen and I knew that it was going to be a wait, just because you, you get a feel for it when you're doing delivery just all day, every day, you get a feel for when you're going to be stuck with a long wait. And so it's kind of like, okay, I get this order right now. Things have been a little bit slower. I'm pretty sure that I'm looking at probably a 20 minute wait or something like that. I can grab a, an Uber Eats or a DoorDash, you know, real short four or $5 order just to fill that time. Uh-huh. And and you don't dare take that chance now with Grubhub because the way they're cracking down on this whole thing and what they're doing is they're calling it fraudulent activity if you don't go to the restaurant immediately. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to control the driver still. They're they're trying to treat them like employees. You know, um, they're they're losing drivers, I think, more than they ever have before. Used to be Grubhub was the place. Grubhub was where you went first. And DoorDash and Uber Eats were kind of an afterthought. And now it they've really gone, gone the opposite direction. And I think they're going downhill more and more. And so they're trying to do this thing with ultra fast delivery, but they're trying to do it under the independent contractor model. And it's not working. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's going to be, I think, a disaster. I think you're going to see a big change in the next year. Here's, here's my New Year's prediction. All right. Sometime in 2022. One of two things is going to happen. Grubhub is going to sell out probably to Amazon, or they're going to go to an employee model because Just Eat is doing an employee model in Europe. So they're already thinking that way. I, I think Grubhub, as we know it, will not be here by the end of this year, this next year. I could be totally wrong. I've been wrong about all sorts of things before, but I think there's going to be a big change with Grubhub in the next year. Why, why Amazon though? What, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious, what would Amazon gain from Grubhub's database? You know, I, it's, it's more that Amazon is wanting to get back into more of this delivery type of thing. So just having the name. Yep. And so, you know, Amazon, I think is kind of the next, you know, they want to be the next big player in the area. That's, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm thinking them. Um, I know that some of the big stockholders with uh, Just Eat, Grubhub, and everything are really putting pressure on Just Eat to spin Grubhub off, to sell them off, because it's like they bought a lemon, you know. And so, I don't know. It's I think Grubhub is either going to be more in line with the way Just Eat does things, and they're going to switch over to an employee model. Um, and if they did that and they did it well. I think they could pull it off, but I have no faith in Grubhub doing it or any of these companies doing it well as far as actually pulling off the logistics. But that's where Amazon is a little bit intriguing because they're better at thinking through this whole logistics idea. Right. And if they took over something big like that and actually put that logistic mindset, that could be a game changer. Yeah. I wonder if it would be for the drivers though. Like I wonder if the, that, you know, that employee model would look appealing. 
Yeah. Um, or if it's just going to be like, well, dude, I can go get a job anywhere for that. If I'm just going to do hourly in W2, sure. I'm not yep. going to use my car. I'm not going to do this, do that. I mean. Well, and that's where I could see them doing a hybrid thing, somewhat similar to what they do with Amazon Flex. Right. They've got employees on Amazon Flex and they've got contractors. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of like use use your employees as much as you can to make sure that you control that end result. But then when the contractors are available, you know, you, you send stuff out to contractors as well or something. So, right. and, and if, keep, can you keep them busy enough though? That's yeah. You know, can you, that's if, a good question. Cause somebody that would go under that type of environment, obviously isn't going to be able to drive for Uber eats or DoorDash anymore or anything. Well, yeah. And there's, there is that part because you can't really prohibit them for, from switching back and forth. But that's why, you know, you you kind of, for the stuff where you actually absolutely have to have certain things done, you use your employees there. Right. And then, um, you know, do what you can with, uh, it's, it's the same game really right now in some ways though, because it's like, you know, there, there are a lot of times in Grubhub probably more than anybody lately is like, you know, having trouble keeping the drivers busy. Right. And, and that's why we're getting the orders the same time as the restaurant, because there's drivers available. So as long as there's a driver available and not on a delivery, then we're going to get that, we're going to get that order right away. And that's always been part of their algorithm that, you know, way back four years ago, it was the same thing. When things were slow, you got the order the same time as the restaurant, but when things got busy, you know, then then the orders were stacking up a little bit. And when it was really busy was when Grubhub was awesome because you were just running into the restaurant, running out because the food was ready. It was usually really late by that time. Right. You know, the customers weren't real happy, but that didn't hurt you as a Grubhub driver. But I think that's why Grubhub has done this about face is that they've been terrible with the customer side of things to the point that Uber Eats and DoorDash are better. And so Grubhub has lost market share. So I, you know, it's, it's, but they did so, but they did so much better too. in other, in other ways, like the onboarding process, like I, sure. I never minded that they had a waiting list. I thought that was a great idea. You know, yeah. don't just onboard everybody onboard what you need. Yeah. And I don't and, think the people who were put on waiting lists cared. They weren't like, and they were know? better at controlling the saturation too you know, with their schedule system, it was like, and they really, you know, stuck to that. Yeah. Uh, it made it a pain sometimes trying to get schedule, you know, get your schedule set. You know, there were some times where you had to be on as soon as that schedule opened up as a partner driver, anyway, you know, it was, uh, it was 1040 on Saturday morning and man, I had to have that app open right then to get that so that I could get enough slots lined up because you weren't as likely able to be able to pick something up. Right. And, but the weird thing is, is like the schedule opened up. It got a lot easier to get onto the schedule and it still got slower out there, which tells me that Grubhub decided that they weren't going to try and control that saturation anymore. 
that they were more concerned about having more drivers out there than they were kind of controlling it. And, and it just told me that the drivers mattered less. And, it, you know, it didn't matter if we were going to stay busy as long as they got the order delivered. Right. And I understand that to, from, from a standpoint that they've got to get that order delivered, but they quit trying to balance that between the driver and the customer. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, it's, it's just, it has been fascinating to see them be the dominant company and then just totally fall off and become Grubhub to me right now is like Postmates was, it's just like, in my mind, it was like, it was the last resort. Yeah. And, and that's, that's not a compliment in any way, shape or form. No, now you got me wondering if, you know, changing my thoughts about the next year a little bit, like, you know, cause I was thinking after Lyft did that move a couple of weeks ago about, you know, Lyft and Uber are partnering or Lyft and Olo are partnering, not Ola, not the, not the rideshare company, but Olo, O-L-O. And I, I was shocked that Lyft was like, we're going to get in the food game now. I'm like, <laughs> He just waited two years in the pandemic and now you're going to like team up with, and I looked up this company, Olo, and it sounds to me like Olo uses Uber Eats, DoorDash and Grubhub to fulfill their orders. So I was like, wait, that's a second middleman. So you're going to buy, you're going to team up with this company and you're just going to use the other services to to deliver. Well, you know, they, they were doing a thing for a little while where they partnered with Grubhub. Yeah, and that's that and, was when you said Amazon. That I was thinking, man, Lyft was going downhill so fast. Like maybe they'll pick them up, but it's like, can they? I don't. I mean, I know Lyft plays like they're doing best out of all these companies. We're near profit, this, that, the other. And I keep thinking, how we just you just had the worst two years ever on right. record for rideshare, and you don't do anything else. Yeah, how could you be doing the best you've ever done? Yeah. I mean, I know, you know, you're probably saving on not having office space, things like that, but that doesn't cut out everything. I mean, I don't know how well, they, <laughs> you know, the only thing that comes to mind for me on that is that that might be more about margin because Lyft and Uber have both been terrible on the rideshare side about really cranking up the fees right while not cranking up what they're paying out as much you know other than some of the really extreme promotions that they've done from time to time but you know that's that's the thing is i think that they um i noticed this with uber eats one time that uh it was during a snowstorm and i went and looked up what they were charging and all of a sudden they were charging twenty dollars in delivery fees when it was usually five right because there's a snowstorm going on. So I opened up the app. They were not doing any add-ons. They were not doing any surges. They were not doing any additional boosts. So they were not paying the drivers anymore, but they were charging the customer a whole bunch more. And, and I, they really carried that on when people started coming back to driving and there started to become so much more demand than there was for drivers. So I think that uh, Uber and Lyft have said, oh, hey, yeah, we can charge a whole lot more. And they're not passing it on to the drivers, so it's it's a profit margin thing for them. And so maybe that's that's the only way that I could think of that Uber that that Lyft could be claiming to be making a profit. 
you right. know, because they're charging so much more than Un- they're paying out. Unless maybe, like you said, just like Grubhub, maybe Lyft is planning to get bought out by Amazon too. <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, it's uh, it's bo- it's bothered me because you know we I've actually talked about this a few times lately that you know when you say Uber for when just rideshare, not food, but when you say the word right. Uber, you don't think of any other rideshare companies, but you do think of Lyft. I mean, just if you say let's call an Uber. You do in the back of your head think, you know, some everybody knows Lyft is out there. So Lyft has a name that could mm-hmm. fight Uber, but they just don't. Right. I don't really get it. They don't really ever, you know, they're only in the United States. Now they Lyft tried Europe, they tried Canada, you know, but they're only here now. So it's like, you know, you could be doing, you guys could, you know, mix up the playbook a little bit and afford to take some chances here and, you know, pay the, like, I, I mean, it's always easy to say this stuff. And, you know, even if you have a W2 job, you always want to get paid more than you get paid. You know, you're always going to want yeah. more money than you're getting paid for whatever you do. But I mean, Lyft could try something where it tries a straight, you know, no games platform, a dollar a mile, um, mm-hmm. something real simple with drivers that they loved that might bring them back. Yeah. But, you know, I think this is the one thing that is, you know, like you said, you know, you, you've been on the rideshare side. I've been on the delivery side. And and one of the things that's been so fascinating with this pandemic is watching how hard it is for these guys to get drivers to come back. That it is like they played their games enough that they're at a point where it just feels like they've they've kind of reached a point of no return with a lot of drivers that it's like they have burned the bridge to the point that they cannot get people to come back. And, and the part that is so amazing to me is to watch the delivery companies just follow that same pattern, you know, that it seems like they're about two years behind Uber and Lyft in the way that they do things and the way that they, you know, the race to zero and right. what they're paying out and some of the other stuff that they, you know, just, just the stunts that they pull off. And, you know, I, I mentioned that earlier with uh, Uber testing out in some markets that if you don't accept five out of 10 orders, we're going to quit showing you the restaurant. We're going to quit showing you where the customer is. And right. it's like, you know, that's, that's kind of a deal breaker for a lot of drivers. And that's kind of crossing the line of the independent contractor too. Well, yeah, it's like you it, just passed up five. So now you're an employee, but I didn't sign employee papers. <laughs> right. Well, and that's, that's the thing is they, they can't, they can't, they can't force you to take these deliveries, but they can do incentives that would give you a little bit more for these things. And yeah, I think, I think there's this, this kind of a, to me, it's a dumb thing to pull off in the midst of all of this stuff that uh, is going on with, um, you know, out in New Jersey and California and ProAct and all these things where there's just more and more scrutiny on these companies. And these companies are really, all of them are really, trying harder and harder to control the work of the contractor. And so it's like, they're just inviting this scrutiny and yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's infuriating as a driver because there's this piece. I do not want to be an employee. 
No. But boy, they are sure trying hard to get forced into it, aren't they? Well, you know, I got to wonder if part of it's that they know, you know, like when they take their prop 22 measure to, um, right, right now they're actually doing this. They're actually putting together that fund again, but for Massachusetts now. Mm-hmm. So what, they're going to raise another $220 million. I wonder if part of them doesn't just feel entitled after they pass a bill like that. Like, you know what, now we can do what we want because screw this. We just paid a bunch of money and you know what? We're going to do what we want. Yeah. And they just kind of feel like we can now treat you even worse because we just got through that court case and you guys don't want to be employees. So just shut up and take it. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's just, it's, it's amazing to me that you're seeing, I think just more and more efforts at, you know, trying, they're pushing the line more and more. And it seems like it's just more and more dangerous, you know, at the same time, what is it? Waiter, uh, waiter and bite squad. They're owned by the same people, I think. And I saw that they started actually requiring an acceptance rate. It's weird. And I don't know if it's just that they feel like they're small enough that they're not going to get called on it. Um, sometimes I think you get some of these really small companies and they don't quite understand. I don't think they quite understand that independent contractor relationship yet or the dangers of it. And maybe there's not as much scrutiny on them because they're not everywhere. You know, and some of these little up and coming companies that kind of pull some stuff that, uh, like, Hey, you can't do that. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, but all the big companies show them that maybe not the exact stuff they do, but they show them that they get away with stuff all the time. Sure. But they also know the other things that where they can't cross that line. Right. You know, and so they're, they're, you know, it's a very passive aggressive thing with these big companies because it's like, they know exactly what they can't do where it's like real obvious, but they're going to push the limits as much as they can in some other areas. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's just, and that's, that's the other part of it that is like, as long as they keep doing these things like this, you know, this, this whole question of independent contractor versus employee is probably going to be out there because, yeah. well, I mean, it is, I mean, I know that I've been, I've been having a few, ep- I, I did another episode with a, uh, Kim just not just like a week ago or something on kind of on yep. the fly too. It was like something happened the night before we touched base and, and she's like, let's get this out there. And I was like, all right. Yeah. So we just decided to do it that next morning live. And it was, you know I mean? She's really got her hand. I, I, I really, I, I think she's awesome. I think she's yeah. so awesome. She's down there, like literally fighting these people doing things that people don't do. Yeah. You know, like she's yeah. speaking out during like sessions when they're like, well, we're only gonna exempt the caddies. That's why we're here today. So and it's weird. <laughs> I know. And it's and it's like, and, and that's why I said to her, Did you know that going down there? She's like, That's why we were going down there. Why are you just exempting the caddies? Why are we doing this? Yeah. And so she went up to her, you know, her her elected officials, and she was like, Listen, you know, what are we doing here? We're doing what AB5 did that AB5 or AB2257 had to like clean up and is still a mess. You're just going to take one at a time and exempt them before you make the law. You know, it's like, what what are you doing here? 
you know, and, and it's, you know, she brought up a good point. I'm like, yeah, but why the caddies? She's like, some caddies are six figure earners, you know, mm-hmm. and they work for people that make that's a lot it. of money. That's it. They're, they're involved at least in circles where there's a lot of power and a lot of influence. And somebody right. says, yeah, we'll take care of you or something like that. And, but it's just weird that you're going to have a session that you're just going to carve out that one thing, really? No. I, I mean, I'm, that's why I'm glad she goes down there and makes noise and gets all the press's attention on it because it's ridiculous that they're even sitting down to discuss this and only talking about caddies. Yep. <laughs> you know, when, when I first saw her come out, you know, or the first time I saw some of, you know, her tweets and, and, and everything, and I was like, yeah, all right. But then, but then she'd say some stuff and she still does from time to time. She says, you realize that not all freelancers are gig workers. They're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's always kind of led this thought in my mind that it was kind of like, okay, how much are you on our side? Because if, if they were to somehow figure out how to divide the gig workers from freelancers, would would a lot of the freelancers that are out there be okay with all of that? And and in fact, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't because I remember when AB5 was coming out and there were a lot of writers in California that were like, yeah, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. And all of a sudden they realized, oh, they came for me too, didn't they? Right. <laughs> it's like they got all of a sudden too. my work, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now that it's infecting me, okay, I'm not good with this anymore. And it's kind of like there's there's this thing that is like, if if somehow freelancers were allowed that it was like they were in the free and clear, would they leave the gig workers hanging? <laughs> well, and, one thing I've learned is that they some of their own have left them hanging. It's kind of weird. Sure. You know, it's like Prop 22 did exactly what we're talking about. It did take the gig workers who were the gig workers were collectively with the freelancers before Prop right. 22 was a thing. Yeah. Because everybody was like going, no, everybody no, was no, no, no. But so then they carved out Prop 22 for app-based gig workers. But then when they started, this is what even all these, you know, Karen Anderson, um, Kim, all, all these people have told me too, is that they had this huge group of people. And as carve-outs happened, those groups kind of left. Sure. Like, well, we got sure. what we needed. We're we got gone. what we need. Like, they really weren't in the fight anymore. And so... Yeah, I don't know. I I I really like all those ladies because I know that like right now a lot of them could say exactly that to me. They could say, "Listen, you know, you're part of that gig world that we we don't want to be part of, but they actually do want us back." It's almost like they would like Prop Twenty Two to either include them or be gone because if it was gone, they'd have all these people working gig platforms back right. working with them. So I kind of get it that. You know, all these people were doing all this stuff to to fight all the, this stuff. And then the state of California started allowing all these different, you know, musicians. Okay, you're exempt. Okay, now all the musicians just left the group. They're not going to fight for this anymore. They don't care. And I don't mean they don't care. They still care. No, but, but they're not. It's, it's right. not. They got carved out. They're like, good, I'm good. Right. And I think that they did enough of that where that's that's a big concern of mine. I've told that to Kim a couple of times is that. I feel like they know how to get in there and like chisel apart a group and yeah. make you guys feel broken. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is, uh, you know, and that's, that's one of the things that is very different probably when you get into say a national situation, because you can't do that referendum where you can put something up on the ballot. You know, if they pass, you know, all the stuff that they want to pass proact, not just proact, but some of the other things that they want to pass where it really does require them to use uh, employees. You can't just put something on the ballot right. to change that. There's, there's no option for that. The only way you can do it is, is through the Congress and the Senate and everything, you know, so there's something that's very different. Um, I think the other part is that's just fascinating to me is that when you've got arbitrary carve-outs, how, how can that stand up in court when it finally gets challenged? Because at some point, what that does is that says, um, and, and that's why I think that that's something that probably is a warning to people that get the carve-outs and they say, okay, we don't have to bother anymore because we're safe. I'm not sure you're safe because right. here's what happens is, okay, let's say you carved out the musicians. And somebody finally brings that up to court and says, hey, there's a, there's a problem here because there's nothing that says musicians should be exempted from this other than somebody chose to exempt them. You know, there's, there's there not some, any kind of... There was some amount of money behind that group. Exactly. Is yeah. what it was. Once there yeah. was enough money to like go, okay, you guys got enough now, give it over. Yep. We don't need the ABC test for you. Go away. Exactly. And, uh, and you're lawyers. right. That, that should, that, that should <laughs> worry those people a lot. Well, it like, should, because what happens in is if, you know, if, if I get exempted and it's kind of like, Hey, um, you can take that to court and, 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 and I think you could challenge it just based on that, that the fit that, that there is nothing fair about the fact that some people are exempted and the others aren't. And right. what that's going to do is either lead to, the whole thing being overturned or the exemptions being overturned. Right. And all of a sudden, all those guys that got exempted are right back where they started from. And to me, the fact that you've got to exempt people tells me that this is not good law to begin with. Right. You know, and that's part of me worries about, and this is, I think part of the great thing behind those ladies and the freelancers is that, you know, like we're watching AB5 and we're watching Massachusetts and New York and New Jersey and all these states, and they're trying it different ways to go about an AB5 type thing. But the real big player is, and right now, again, I think I think we're in the clear. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of articles to the better, but it doesn't mean that parts of ProEc aren't going to be spread into things. However, that looks like it's kind of under wraps for right now. But I think that I mean AB5. Prop 22, all that, it would have been like a right to work state. It wouldn't have mattered if the PRO Act passed. It would have just said, it doesn't matter that you were exempt under AB5 because we're talking about the PRO Act now. Now, now you're right oh, back no. to where you were. And forget California state law. This is a nat this is a, a a national law now. You know, so now we're not, we don't need you're you're right. You know what? Prop 22 and AB5 are gone. Don't worry about it. Now you have the PRO Act, though in every state. So, and, and so that, that's where I kind of think that us gig workers are very lucky to have the Kims, the Karens, sure. because I don't see us gig workers 
down at the state house fighting like they do. Well, and because making enough noise, I know that because I, you got enough gig workers that want the they they want to be treated like an employee. At least you know they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want the freedom, right? But they want that minimum wage and they want that stuff, which I can't blame people for wanting that. But you know, the hard thing about that is that it's like. Why didn't you read what you signed up for? Why didn't you pay attention? It's like I it you can't sign up and agree to do business this way but expect something that is totally outside of that agreement. And that's that's what's happened with so many gig workers uh delivery rideshare both that are like demanding this, you know, you know, the people that want to have strikes, uh, the people that that want to say you've got to pay a minimum wage, you've got to you've got to provide all these protections and things like that, and and it's like you want you want to really force the issue, then quit being an independent contractor. Yeah, pay attention to the fact that you're not an employee. Draw the line and say no, this is not enough. That if I'm not going to get the employee protections that I want, that I feel like I deserve, then I'm not going to agree to do this job that doesn't give me these protections. And if enough people that want to be employees or want those employee protections, if they took that step, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, none of those companies would have enough contractors. Right. And and that's well, the thing. I, that- I very much worry about that. Everybody always asks me, well, what do you, I mean, and I feel like a broken record because I keep saying it yeah. they, when they ask me, what do you think that next step would be? I really, without a doubt, feel like it would be um franchise model. I don't see any other way that it would work. Yeah. You know, Uber's not going to deal with each individual. They're going to want to deal with like 10 franchises in a big city and only those people. And then let, yeah. let, let those people deal with the employees. Which... You know, we're, uh, we're talking about Amazon and Amazon Flex, and um, Amazon's kind of done that in that they took a lot of their people that were employees, and then when they said, here, we're going to give you this opportunity, and they gave them financing and stuff like that, and then all of a sudden, these former employees now have what is essentially a franchise where they have their own fleet of trucks, and they contract with that person and their fleet of trucks and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of similar to that franchise model. Yeah. And I, you know, I, you know, it is such a weird thing because when you get down to the fact that these companies need a massive workforce, right. And it's all very, very labor driven. That in its very nature kind of makes it like you should have, I mean, I think that in its very nature in my mind is still ultimately an employee type of thing. And, and so that's part of the thing that makes it a little bit harder to um, make that case because it's like, if you've got a workforce doing the work of your company on a large scale like that, um, there's a point where I think, 
I think you could argue the point for an employee status a lot more easily in the gig economy than you could in freelancers. Because with freelancers, where it's just picking up a an article here or there. And so, but when you've got people that the majority of their money is from Uber or the majority of their money is from DoorDash, you know, that's, you know, it, it does make it a little bit harder. And and there is a point where um, I think these companies are exploiting the employee model right. by doing this. And, oh, and, I do too. I mean, I think they, of course, we know that any anywhere they yep. look that they can go, wait, that's our advantage. They're going to take all sure. those. Into Absolutely. Not and gonna, as long as they can pull it off, you know, um, as long as they can pull that off, they're going to do it. And it's, uh, you know, and, and, the, and the evidence of that, I think, ultimately is in the fact that, it's like I said, if you had enough people that were actually paying attention when they signed up, and decided that no, I'm not going to agree to these terms because, you know, if you had enough people, if if the number of people that want to be employees that want the employee protections and things like that didn't sign up as independent contractors, that these companies wouldn't have enough drivers. Um, that I think probably tells you right there that it should be that way. And, and, and part of it is they know that people are going to think like employees. They know that you've got people that are going to sign up and they're going to say, yeah, I'm going to take every order because that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people on, uh, you know, Facebook groups saying, Hey, are we getting a Christmas bonus this year? (laughs) It's just all these different things. You know, do we get, do we get leave time? Do we get family leave? Do we get, all of this stuff. And it's kind of like, did you pay attention to what you signed up for? And, and these companies know that people aren't paying attention. (laughs) They're, they're relying on that. And that's the part that tells me that there is that, that they're not innocent here, you know, Uh, but then there's the flip side that it's kind of like, I guess where I come from, where it's like, all right, I'm going to take advantage of what I just signed up to do. I'm going to treat this like a business. I'm going to treat these companies like my customers instead of my bosses. I'm going to make my decisions on what makes sense to deliver and what doesn't make sense to deliver. And, and I would much rather do it that way. I, I would not trust any of these companies to be my employer. And, you know, you talk about yeah, if, a toxic if it, if it, work if it, environment. If it goes to that state, I mean, there's so much other, there's so many other places I would go first. I'd be very sure. upset because I don't want to lose it, not just because of these apps, but because of other places I do, I see work for Sure. outside of this. I mean, it would, have, it would really affect every part of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even my yeah. laser work, which, you know, I'm still, obviously I'm not back on the cruise lines installing. I'm not back at Disney yet but we're back to like a full load of work again, you know? So I'm, even though I'm not on the road, I'm doing graphics again here, which through the mm-hmm. pandemic was just next to none. We were doing nothing. And now yeah. we're like back to full load and we haven't even got fully back to the, to the cruise ships and all that stuff yet, which are going to need complete new programming overhauls and, you know, calibrations, equipment replacement, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I, I, so to me, you know, even when those, when all the freelancer group is fighting for it, I know how much they're fighting for what else I do too. 
sure. outside sure. of the gig. So we really, you know, you really, we really need, if those people weren't there, I mean, we don't even know the pro act wouldn't have gone through maybe. Yeah. You know, it takes some voices there's... saying, Hey, listen, you represent me. And, and I, I've had that pointed out to me a couple of times, like how much my single voice matters if I go make it matter. And I know, you know, I've heard that in the past, but I never really knew that. I think, or I never really took it as for sure, but it, that is right. You know, like, like they've made it, you know, these ladies have taught me that like, if you go down there and you, and you say, Hey, hold on, you represent me that they, that, that even one person, they're going to take that minute to listen to you because they're going to wonder how did you, and why did you take the time to come down here? How did you track me down? How many people do you represent other than yourself? They don't know all that. So they have to take you very, very seriously if you get in their face. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to know what things would have been like, you know, if not for some of that involvement, you yeah. know, fortunately proact was such a bad thing anyway, that I think it, it raised some issues anyway, you know, taking away the state's right to declare themselves right to work, um, giving, giving the union actually, you know, a lot more power than any organization ought to have right. when it comes to, and I, think, know, I think we're giving, all pretty lucky there because I think that a good amount of Americans, even if they're not in a union job, will go out of their way to vote against a union. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. You know, um, just like, Hey, I worked for one growing up or I, I, my family did some people have their views on it. Sure. And very sure. people, very few people are in love with unions. And the ones I think that are, are the ones that haven't really been in one yet. Well, and I think that there are, <laughs> you know, I still see some things even today where having union involvement can make a very positive difference when it comes to, you know, work environments and things like that. I think right. the problem Safety, though, that kind of, I, I sure. see that. Yeah, I see that. Sure. I, Safety, um, you know, just certain um, environments, uh, you know, that where people maybe don't have a voice or, or anything like that in those situations. And, and so I think from that perspective, I can still see some good things there, but I also see a lot of abuses there. Right. Um, you know, I've, I've got a daughter who's in teacher's union and in her situation, I'm not sure the teacher's union has done squat for her because it all comes down to her representative. You know, right. it's not necessarily that the union in and of itself is bad, but some of the people that are in the union and, and when, when the union becomes, more of a power structure than it becomes a structure that actually helps the people. That's yeah. where there's a problem. And I think that's where a lot of the resistance has come up against it. And, and that's why I have trouble with some of the issues with the pro act is that I think it enables some of the worst things that can happen with a union without necessarily promoting much of the better things of a union. Right. That's my opinion. 
Well, I mean, and I think I honestly, like I have family members, my ex is a teacher. Like I think the union, I think the teachers union pre-pandemic is one of the best examples of union. However, I think that the pandemic, even for the teachers union dropped the ball a lot, really made itself look a lot uglier. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and I every, seen... every, everything dropped the ball during the pandemic. So sure. it's not a diss on anything. It's, you know, I, I just feel like the teachers union even like got to the point where they weren't the, the shining example that they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, just in education altogether, it's like, yeah, the pandemic, it was like, okay, well, we need to have school. Uh, we need to, you know, protect the kids and nowhere in the middle of that was we need to protect the teachers also. And, and, and that's, yeah, that, that's just, that's, and I think that that is, that's something that could land at the feet of the union and land at the feet of the administration. You know, I think both dropped the ball there. And so, yeah, I got way off on unions there, didn't we? (laughs) Well, I mean, that happens when we talk about this stuff because I think that's true. I never mind because I don't think that, I always don't think that the gig workers really understand what was being trying, trying to be done on them. Like, right. You know, had pro act happened. I, I think that people would have just been like, wait, what? Excuse me. <laughs> like, it would have been you beyond know, a wake up call. It wouldn't have been like, Oh, we saw this coming. Okay. I'm ready for it. I think people would have just been like, wait, I can't do anything anymore. I think the <laughs> I part that I can't work for myself. I can't go out and just earn some money. I can't like, Yeah. I think the part that bothers me or concerns me is that I don't see any attempt to actually police what's going on. You know, I, right. I don't see it, it's, it's like they couldn't give a rat's behind about whether or not Uber or DoorDash are crossing the line this way or that way. They're not going to try and stop them from doing that. The only thing that they want to do is to force them to use employees. Right. And it's like, why can't there be something in between? Why can't you instead kind of police that control aspect of things? And, uh, and, and I think that's part of the problem I have with this whole one or the other type of thing, that mindset. It's got to be employee or it's got to be independent contractor. Why can't we try and enforce what the rules are already in place or better define the rules as to how they can treat their contractors, you know, and uh, none of us want to, that's what I would rather see. And I always try and go around it, but to be honest, I think we need some cyber regulation. Sure. In sure. The gig, in the gig economy. I think we and just need, it doesn't need to be so hardcore that it ends it, but there needs to be some, no. there needs to be some people who are going, nope, can't do that. Nope. Can't do that. <laughs> if nothing else, introduce some due process around the whole deactivation process. Right. You know, it's right now it's, it's the computer sees something that doesn't look right. And you get somebody, supposedly you're supposed to have somebody take a live look at it. And all they do is they look at the report in the computer and say, Oh, yep, they're out of there. And somebody's deactivated whether they deserve to be or not. 
And there's a lot of people that deserve to be, you know, there's, that's part of the problem, but there's a lot of people that they get because something just looked out of line to the computer and, and, and there's no due process. There's no way to get somebody to answer and say, oh, why exactly were you deactivated? What exactly was that, um, contract violation that made it so bad that we can't do anything with you anymore. And if, if, if you could clean that up, if you could create some due process, if you could at least have them, have them able to answer to something without having to go to a lawyer or something like that, and just like, if they say that you did something wrong, then it's like, you know, they've, they've got to show you exactly what it is and how you did it and what they did to try and prevent that from being an issue to begin with. And I think that that would eliminate a lot of the issues. And I think it would also kind of back off on some of their efforts to control drivers illegally too. Right. But you know, you could do that without forcing everybody to be an employee. Yeah. The other part, the other part though, that you already said, even is that, you know, like, look at what you're signing up for people. (laughs) Yeah. Like I got to go back to that too, because that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's like, if you're just going, listen, what do you mean? I don't want that. Well, okay. But you, you, you agreed to it. (laughs) Yep. That's just it. It's like, I know none of you read the TOS. I'm not, I'm not shaming any of you before that. However, if you go back and read it, you're, your question probably gets answered. Yeah. You know, and, and maybe that's something that they ought to do a little bit more is that instead of just saying, okay, you click, you click, I agree to the terms of service and whoever reads the terms when they, they click on that. And that's about as simple as it becomes anymore. And instead going through and just putting some very basic things, I'm, I understand I'm not an employee and you got to sign off on that before you go to the next part. Right, and it's make, like, or make it like the rain videos. Yeah. You yeah. know, like you can blow them off because you have to do them every six months or a year. You can blow it off and just do it and watch it and turn the volume off and not even listen and go to the next, but at least they're giving you six or five different videos. You have to watch that are two to three minutes each. That do and have you've got to take action on each yeah. one of those to say, yeah, okay, I get it. I understand that. And you move on and you sign off and you say, I understand I'm on my own for taxes. Right. Okay. I understand that. Uh, it seems I'm like it free would be just fine for them to do the do same whatever. thing as rain and make like a five part TOS. Mm-hmm. And each time you pass one, you're agreeing to that part. Yeah. Do you agree yeah. to this or not? And if you don't, then you don't go any farther. And, and then at that point, it's like, well, I think it's already that way, but it's like, if you didn't pay attention, then, uh, I got no sympathy for you. It's like, <laughs> but you know, here's the deal. Let's say I just, I'm, I make an arrangement with you. Hey, I want to have you come over. I want, I want to have you do some graphics for my website. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you say, okay, I'll do that. And we make an agreement. And then when you get done, you say, oh, and I should be getting this much more. You should also, you know, say you agree that you're going to do something for $500 and then you come back and you say, oh, and also you also owe me this, you know, you're asking for more than what you agreed to. Right. 
And that's what a lot of gig workers are doing when they're saying, okay, I want this minimum wage. It's like, you didn't agree to that. Right. And, 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 you know, and, and that's what I think people need to understand is you signed up to do this as a business and it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Anytime you open up a business, there's no guarantees. Mm-hmm. You know, I could open up, you know, over, not too far from where I live. Um, I remember Lowe's spent a lot of money refurbishing this shopping center and building a new store. Within a year, it was closed. And, and it was just kind of like, that was pretty dumb. I could have told you that was a bad area to build, <laughs> you know, and, and that's just, that's what happens when you, when you open a business, there's no guarantee that you're going to make it. Most, and most I can don't. open up a restaurant or a store or most don't make it a website. Exactly. <laughs> most of people them don't forget. make when it. You, when you go work for yourself on these apps, like most, most businesses don't make it. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to people understand that you're signing up as a business. And that means you've got no guarantees. You've got no protection. You're completely on your own. Uh, But I'll tell you what, the upside could be incredible. Yep. If you treat it like a business and if you take control for yourself. And I think that's, that's the thing that I would say, if you wanted to get into a new year, the best New Year's resolution that I think anybody could make in the gig economy is just to say, I'm taking control. And, you know, uh, I I used to listen quite a bit, haven't as much lately to uh, Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk. And he always used to use this line that said, when you're in business for yourself, everything is your fault. But he said, that's a good thing because that means you're in control. And he said, even if everything, you know, let's say you had a, an employee that just totally screwed up. Well, it's your fault because you hired them. You know, yeah. um, if things went south on, on a sale, if you weren't paying attention, you know, there's there's accountability and all of that, but it can be a great thing as well. And so, you know, if I go out and do deliveries and I go out on Christmas Day, when nothing is open and I accept everything without paying attention to the, whether or not this restaurant is probably closed. If I didn't make any money, that's my fault for making that decision to go out at a bad time to go out. Right. That's part of running a business. But at the same time, when you decide that you can take control now, all of a sudden you don't have to rely on DoorDash and you know what? Okay. DoorDash cuts, you're paid at $2 and 50 cents and that sucks. <laughs> it's, you know, but you know what, if they don't pay enough, then Uber eats might pay more. And so you get to make those kind of choices. <clears throat> and, and when you do that, all of a sudden, when you decide that you're the one in control, all of a sudden DoorDash has no control over you. Uber, Lyft, Grubhub, none of those companies have control over you because you get to make the decisions and you get to choose and you get to look around and and you're putting it up, you're you're turning it into kind of a bidding war among your customers. And and if at some point none of them are paying enough, then you realize that either your business needs to change or it needs to close. And and but you get to make that choice too. Right. 
And, and that I think is the best thing that you can do in the light of all the garbage that some of these companies pull off is just decide I'm in control. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I was talking to Sergio from a rideshare guy and he's, he never agrees with Harry. He's like the polar opposite of Harry, Oh, but he's been, but he's been a driver for a while. And, uh, I had him on and he was telling me how right now, you know, he's been doing this forever. And he's like the, when Harry started the rideshare guy, he would put out an article and Sergio would put an article out on, on a blog he had on just dissecting Harry's article on how Harry was wrong on everything. So what did Harry do? He hired him. Which you got to give credit to Harry for that. Uh, yeah, smart you know? move, right? So now he's got him and the the agreement that they had was that Sergio writes, he's the main contributor for the rideshare side of the rideshare guy. And mm-hmm. he has no, nobody's allowed to edit his material. He posts whatever he wants about it. Harry's not allowed to get involved. Nobody's allowed to get involved. He's allowed to write whatever he wants. And, uh, him, when I had him on, he was telling me that right now he's doing better than uh, in rideshare than he was before the pandemic, during the pandemic, all this. He's like, I don't go out and listen, making 50, 60 bucks an hour in LA right now. Mm-hmm. So I hear about all these drivers in LA who can't make any money. He doesn't have a, te- a Tesla or a, uh, he's not driving XL. He's just driving X with a car. He just knows how to get out there. And, and I mean, like he had a challenge going with delivery drivers that was supposed to go for a month and they only ran it for two weeks because the average delivery driver was pulling about 19 bucks an hour. Sergio was pulling 55 to 60. I mean, it was so not even close that they just ended it. They just called it after two weeks. It was supposed to be a four week thing. And they're like, dude, he's like, you can't catch me. Even if I don't work the other, the next two weeks, you won't catch me. Yep. (laughs) I'll still be above you. (laughs) You know? So it's weird. It's, it's, you know, like, like you were saying, like we were talking about, like people aren't going back to rideshare. Even the ones who did rideshare before the pandemic, who pivoted to delivery, aren't going back, and yet they're they notice that delivery's not paying them anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't say it about every market. I know some people right. still do well on delivery, but you know, I do. You can say overall, we we it's going down a bit. I mean, I would say so. I would people say so. People are going. I mean, I see it in my neighborhood in Park Hill. People are going out again. Right. You know? Well, and I think that's a lot of it. You know, there's there's a few things going on. One, you've got a lot more people going out and doing delivery now. You right. know, the market is just flooded, so there's more drivers, and I think there are fewer opportunities. There are fewer orders out there. Um, you know, with with Postmates getting swallowed up, there's one less major player out there. Although I don't know around here, they never were that busy to begin with, but you know, so you've got all those things going on and I think you got, you know, more drivers, fewer opportunities or fewer deliveries going on. People don't have as much money as they did. And, and so I think the boom for delivery is it's still busier overall than what it was, but you've got an awful lot more people doing those deliveries now. So there's, it is harder to, you know, pull off that 30 bucks an hour or whatever. Right. Um, and I don't think it's going to get easier. Uh, it might for a few months um, when you get into the winter, but right. by the time this summer hits, I'm not sure how, you know, how good it's going to be. 
And so unless we were to stay in a pandemic state forever. Well, there's that. Which, you know, which kind of I all jokes aside, I sometimes feel like it's kind of happening. Like they're just kind of like, okay, yeah. now it's the omni. But didn't did that kill anybody? It killed one person. We're just waiting for more. We want more to be to die so that we yeah. can claim that this is real. But you know, I mean, it's, it's like you go, well, it was, it was like, uh, um, black Friday and I woke up really early, just not able to sleep. And there was something I'd been thinking about getting and everything like that. So I went out to Best Buy at, you know, six in the morning, right. When everything's open, you know, and, and years past, you know, I used to have this huge line of people and, and yeah. And, you know, all these places would just be packed early on Black Friday. You go out there and it was just like, um, well, there's people around and stuff like that. And the stores are open, but it just felt normal. Yeah. That's what, that's and, what everybody told me was that Black Friday was just like another day. Yeah. And but there was nothing like Black Friday of, of years past. And I think it's going to take a long time for people to feel comfortable going out in crowds like that again. Right. And, and that, that may help with a lot of things, you know, and that might help keep the delivery thing going. Um, but I don't know, you know, you've got at some point, I still feel like all of this shutdown and stuff like that is going to catch up with us in some way, yeah, you know, and uh, they could only kind of tape it together with a stimulus for so long. And so all those things are kind of catching up. So there's that possibility that things are going to slow down. Um, that doesn't mean that we're doomed. It no. just means that you have to keep your eyes open. It's just like if you're running a business. When we were in telecom back in, uh, um, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, 9-11. And all of a sudden, everything went down, you know, as far as... Uh, uh, businesses quit spending money for a while because they were just scared to death of what's going on. Right. And, you know, it, it's like anytime you're running a business, there's a chance that things can slow down. You know, or if you were in the horse and buggy business, at some point your business dried up because there wasn't the demand for it. Right. And so you've got a choice though, what you do with that. It's like, do you keep going with what you're doing or do you pivot? Or do you move on to something else? And, and, and here's the beautiful thing about doing a lot of this gig work. You can't as much maybe with rideshare, but you can with delivery. And that is that you're spending a lot of time in the car and it's a great opportunity to learn about whatever might be next for you. Because all of a sudden you're getting paid to drive around and listen to podcasts or to listen to audiobooks or any of that stuff. Learn another language. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Those are and, and that's Stones where and things like that, you know. You know, when I started uh deciding I'm gonna do the website, and I spent a lot of time learning all sorts of stuff about how to do it, how to market it, how to do all these different things. And I was getting paid for it 25, 30 bucks an hour. I'm getting paid to be able to learn this stuff while I'm in between deliveries. And, yeah. and I think that that's the thing that can be fantastic about it is that you've got opportunities ahead when you're running a business though, when you're thinking of it, like a business owner, 
you're always looking for where you can go next rather than saying, I've got to rely on DoorDash or I've got to rely on these guys here. You don't have to rely on anybody. At some point, maybe they may not be the best customer for you, but you've got the opportunities to look around and see where can you go with this next? What can you do? How could how can you learn from this whole thing of being self-employed to spin off a totally different kind of business that has nothing to do with what you're doing? And so, you know, it it's like, um, and 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 that gets back to that whole thing, take control take control and you make the decisions and you look for the opportunities and, and grow from this. Uh, if, if you want to be stuck in, or I don't want to say stuck, but if, if you want to do delivery for the rest of your life, it's probably not going to happen. It's I I'm going to guess that in a year to two years, it's not going to be as easy to make as much money. Yeah. It's moving that direction. Uh, maybe it'll get better at some point. Maybe some something will happen that we had no idea. But I mean, if they you know, the funny thing is, I can, people. I don't know that 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 might change. That could be the one thing yeah. that I could see changing. Otherwise, I think you're exactly right. I think that's going to become if things keep getting better, right? Like from the pandemic, I think that delivery is going to yeah. be very very difficult to make a living on. You know, I I can't go out right now and I can't hit those forty dollar an hour days. Right. Like I used to do so easily in the middle of the pandemic. Right. Um, and it's, it's harder to maintain the 30 and, but you know what? It's like when I look at my numbers now compared to what they were in 2019, it's like, it's still better. Yeah. And it's real easy to compare things just to what you knew the least or the most recently. It's kind of like when we look at gas prices and we, we could, when we make a comparison, we're always comparing to the middle of the pandemic when it was, you know, dropped down to about a buck a gallon. Yeah. And, and, and that's the comparison we always make. We forget about 2006 when it was four bucks a gallon, you know? Right. And I think we, uh, like, I, I mean, we have to be, Ron and I are talking about Colorado because each to each state its own with gas. But sure. I think we I mean, I forgot even that like 264 is kind of an average in Colorado. <laughs> like not exactly that, yeah. but you know what I mean? Like, and then it went down so much for so long. Right. That like you're saying, when it went back up to what it was, you're like, what? What is I this know. skyrocketing? Yeah. <laughs> and it is. I mean, it 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 went up at a faster rate. If you compared it to two years ago, it is still. It is still high, but it's not, it's not the same thing as like when you're comparing it to a dollar a gallon, because, you know, that was kind of an abnormal type of thing. That wasn't the norm. There were no cars on the road. There was nobody using gas. So they were, they were having to give it away almost like, okay, please just a dollar a gallon. You can fill up your Those days when there were no cars on the road. You could drive through downtown Denver and not have anybody out there. And you could pull right up to the restaurant, walk in without having to figure out where to park. It was so beautiful. <laughs> I know. I could, I I could drive that, down Colfax but, and see nobody. And that's yeah. not even heard of. Yeah. I mean, for and, those of you that haven't been to Denver, that's not even heard no. of. And And so... I don't know. It's it's easy to compare to a year ago 
and feel like the sky is falling. When you can compare to two years ago and realize, oh, we're still doing better. And, you know, it, it, it's like I, you got to get kind of look at everything with a much bigger picture. And so, you know, kind of where I'm going with that is, is like right now I can still make more than I made a couple of years ago before the pandemic and still do that fairly easily. So, and, and there's a lot of ways where I used to look at like two years ago as kind of the glory days of delivery, you know, when, when Grubhub was hopping, you know, and I look right. back now and it's like, oh, you know what? I'm still doing better than then. Right. And so it, it's just, a, it's all kind of like what you compare it to, I guess. Well, before the pandemic, people weren't into the delivery thing too much. No, but there weren't as many drivers either. And right. so but I just mean like people were like, I'm just going to yeah. go out to dinner. What do you mean? Sure. And if I want delivery, I'll just call Domino's or whatever you do. Yeah. Like your pattern. So your pattern wasn't sure. to call use Uber Eats and call for the food that you just go two blocks down the street for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, people call people are left and right use use Uber Eats for McDonald's now. Yep. I mean, that's I used to I used to talk about right there. I used to talk about um doing it as a uh I used to talk about the 40 cent rule. Like uh you you decide your deliveries based on 40 cents a minute which is $24 an hour. And I can remember when people were like, that's insane. There's no way you can get anywhere close to that. You know, it's like, you know, anything over $15 just seemed so out of place. And, and now we're at a time where we're kind of worried about, we're not making as much money, but you're still making, you know, 20 bucks an hour or something like that. And it's like, it, you know, so it's like there's areas where there's there's ways where it's it's not as lucrative as it was a year ago, right? But it's not over yet, and I am concerned. I think I do think it's going to get harder and harder to maintain that. I don't think the amount that you can make in deliveries is going to be going up. I don't know what to think about rideshare. You know what that's going to be like. Um, yeah, rides rideshare still isn't fixed from the pandemic. Yeah. And I mean it's been broken since day one, but I mean it is yeah, well, there's that. It was completely broken during the pandemic. Like in yeah. one day it went from, you know, whatever it is globally. We we were just talking about this the other day, like 18 million rides per day globally for Uber. Mm-hmm. And it went from that to zero. Yeah. Because I'm not getting in the car with a stranger. <laughs> well, and everybody went to lockdown and April yep. of 2020. I mean, we were told stay at home, don't go anywhere. Yep. So the few people I knew driving were just taking people to hospitals and stuff. And I'm not t- talking about patients. I'm talking about like doctors and sure people going sure. to work. But there yep. weren't, I mean, you and I know it was tumbleweeds. There weren't people outside. People weren't even walking their dogs, man. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but that's the thing is you don't know what next year is going to be. But you can keep an eye out on what's out there, what's available, what are the opportunities. And, and at some point, I think, you know, delivery is not going to be as great of a, an option. Um, Rideshare may not be as great of an option that the gig economy may not be the best way to go. And it may not be for you right now. It all depends on you, but 
you know, the whole thing is, I think there's opportunities. I think there's still a lot that you can do with all of that. And, but it's just like any business that just because it's good now doesn't mean that it will be in a year or two years. It doesn't mean that it won't be, but you've got the opportunity to make the decisions and, you know, find, you know, find out how can you fine tune what you're doing or how can you use those lessons to move on to something even better? That's what I, I was you just know, gonna say was that like you and I had previous um like independent contractor work before this. Right. You know, and we were not only were we doing the gig economy before the pandemic, because a lot of people came into the gig economy at the pandemic. A lot. Yep. So a lot of these people are just, hey, we've been doing this since April of 2020. You know, so, okay, well, I was doing it for years before that. So were you, but I also had independent contractor jobs before that. So I, you know, I always am building like in my head, whenever I'm doing anything, like how can I make more money? And I'm not talking about on that platform. I'm talking about my life. Right. Like what, what else could I be doing? What else, what's a new angle on something? What's a, and that's taken me to a lot of places. And I don't know if a lot of gig workers who jumped in in April, 2020 feel that way. Or think that way. Yeah. I, I don't know if they, they, they're all, always thinking like, how do I earn best? What's my personal value? What's my worth? And what do I want to do? I mean, because if you search your brain, you might find something you want to do that nobody's doing. And you might go, "Why? it must not work because nobody's doing it. But it might be something that could work big. Yeah. I think it really kind of, it, it, it depends on how they're looking at it. You know, so if if you're looking at it as that DoorDash is in control or Lyft is in control, and I'm just gonna, I'm, you know, it all depends on what they give me. Um, there's probably not as much thought going into it. It's more like, okay, it's just like any other job. They give me the task, I do the task, and that's it. Right. And so, but I think if you're looking at it. Once again, you're going back and looking at it as a business and and you're deciding that it is my fault if it doesn't work rather than Ubers or DoorDashes. Then you start looking for other ways that you can do things and you start thinking more like, oh, okay, I could make more money if I do things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you know, you, you've got a lot of people that they don't it, it never even enters their mind that you could make more money. You know, it's, it's all a crapshoot. <laughs> it's, right. it's, it's all what the DoorDash gods give to you. Right. And, and you get a lot of people, you know what, they go out and they do that and they're totally happy with that. And that's fine. Um, but, but like we, we were just talking about, I mean, at some point when the pandemic really starts dying down, yeah. that, that whole Things going to change a bit because you would need like half of the DoorDashers to drop off to to be able to even keep the the level you're at now of earning. Mm-hmm. And will that happen? I don't. I don't know. I it might become like you were talking about earlier. Like we've always talked about every almost every time I think I've had you on or I've been on your podcast is that yeah. is it going to just turn into a delivery race to the bottom like the rideshare companies were? Sure. I'm not sure they can go a whole lot closer to the bottom. To be honest, you know, <laughs> they are did you ever see, right did you see that TikTok that the guy did? Um, I, of course there's all sorts of them, but there was one that I remember seeing 
And he was talking about how don't tip that much on DoorDash, how you don't need to. And, uh, and don't worry about the whole gas and things like that. Cause I think the way he said it is I'm reasonably sure that, um, that they're paying you enough to cover your car and time and everything like that. And the tip is just something. And it's like, dude, you have no idea how much we're getting. And, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you go out there and you're only getting two or three bucks from DoorDash and, right. you know, they can't cut it a whole lot more than that. Um, I'm sure they'll try, but they can't cut it a whole lot more than that. And, but it's like, you know, if the tipping dries up, right. That's when everything is going to go. And that's, you know, and that's go a, south. And it's funny you say that. Cause that's a fear of mine too, because if, I mean, you and I remember that when rideshare came along, they made it so that even though all of us who, who were using it knew we, you tip a driver, you tip a bartender, you tip a server, you tip, yeah, you tip those people, but they made it very clear. You don't tip these people. We don't yeah. allow it through the app. Don't worry about it. You don't need to tip them. They're paid. Like they very, very clearly made it for years. No, 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 no. This isn't yeah. a tipping environment. Don't worry about it. Cause they yeah. want to make these rides look like they just cost this and you don't need to tip. That's, that's one of the areas where they were really trying to kind of compete with the cab. So it's like, oh, we're going to pay the drivers well enough that you don't need to tip. Right. And I mean, they, they almost, yeah, discouraged it. And which they did pay the drivers well enough in the beginning when they were sure. populating areas. So it sure. did appear that way. But I mean, I think we all even knew that eventually, yeah. same type of thing. Eventually, this won't be paying like this. You know, and here's where I think I see that there was like a big wake up call on Uber's part because yeah, when, when I started doing delivery and I started with Uber eats and it was okay, but it, eh, you know, it wasn't a whole lot. And then I got onto Grubhub and it was night and day because Grubhub and, you know, DoorDash too, were encouraging the customers to tip when they place the order. And it was like, there was a tip on almost every order for those guys. And with Uber Eats, it was like a tip out of, you know, one out of every 10 drivers or something like that, because they were still, in fact, they didn't make it easy to tip. They, you know, but what they paid in delivery fees blew everybody else out of the water. Right. You know, that, that it was like, you could pull off a $15 delivery without a tip if you're driving far enough and it took long enough or something like that. And, you know, between all of the different incentives and things like that, and, and Uber Eats was paying a lot more money out of their own pockets for drivers. And the sea change was late in 2019 when it was the game changer and they did two things basically you know first they allowed customers to tip when you place the order you know way back at the time you you didn't know how to tip somebody through the app uh therefore before i started you could not tip through the app right. and then they had changed that but it still wasn't easy and that was the one time i ever used to give out cards to customers uh, that just said, thank you. Please let me know how I did by rating me. Mm-hmm. That was how I asked for a tip. Right. Because just to get them back into the app. You got them back into the app and 
you had to rate somebody before it would ask you to tip. So what I'm doing is asking them to rate me because then the app is going to ask them to tip. And all of a sudden I'm getting tips out of, you know, 50% of the time, Mm -hmm. but it was like, yeah, it was not easy to tip and Uber really, you know, their thinking was that if customers thought they had to tip, then they wouldn't spend as much money or something like that. And they might go on to somewhere else. But at you know, the end of 2019, they were kind of like, oh, all right, we're going to let customers place the tip when they order. In fact, they started it right then. And about that time is when they really dropped, they quit, uh, they quit uh, publicizing the formula that they used and they cut the uh, delivery fees uh, about 40%. But the customers were tipping more now. And, you know, Uber Eats figured out, oh, if we can get the customers to tip, we don't have to pay as much. Yeah. And and I think that that's where they've gotten smart in some ways and that they realize that if we can encourage the customers to tip, then, then we don't have to pay as much, but the drivers still get their money and right. nobody really notices anything. And there for a while, honestly, you know, even though Uber Eats was paying less in delivery fees, all of a sudden they became so much better to deliver for than anybody else, at least in my experience. Right. Because they finally figured that part out and because customers started catching on to that. Um, but it's interesting because then at the same time, when uh, Prop 22 went into effect and they started having to pay extra. And so in California, the gig companies had to start adding surcharges on or upping their delivery fees. And all of a sudden, then they were like, Oh, we're going to start discouraging tipping now because then customers won't notice the increase in pay, you know? So it's, it's, it's a weird balancing game between all these things and what they do with the tipping and how all that works. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see how it looks going forward. And, um, but I think as long as customers are tipping, it can still be a lucrative type of thing. And I don't know, you know, would, and this kind of goes back to this whole thing where I've talked about, you know, is it a good idea maybe for somebody to go to an employee model? Because what happens if all of a sudden, um, let's say Grubhub decides we're going to use employees. And we're going to get away from this tipping thing, but we're going to be damn good at getting that food delivered on time right? with a great customer experience. And all of a sudden, the restaurants love Grubhub more than anybody else. And the customers love Grubhub more than anybody else. And will that get them to the point that they can charge whatever they want to charge? Right. Or exclusive deals. and. Yeah. And, you know, like and so they do they exclusive with Grubhub because of the new model. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden they are fantastic at getting that food delivered while all the others still suck, right. <laughs> you know, and, and that's where I wonder if an employee model could be feasible. I would hate if that happens because that takes away one more option <laughs> for me. Exactly. I mean, for me that, well, it does, it actually, just takes it out of my life. It's not going to sure. be an, it's not going to be an option. It's gone. 
Exactly. Like I don't even exactly. want to hear about it anymore. If that's a W two, forget it. Yep. 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 And I, I, I'm, I don't, I don't need a boss telling me how to deliver food. Exactly. And I, I, <laughs> you know, and I'm, if I can't, if, you know, I kind of like rolling the dice when I do gig work, because I know that I communicate well with customers. I say I'm on my way. Sure. Things that won't let them cancel as a rideshare passenger. Sure. The, I do the right things. Not everybody goes out of their way to do all those steps. And when you do, yeah. you're more likely to get a tip. You're more likely, likely to get a good rating, you know, just anything. I mean, it's just yeah. more likely to go better for you, but if you're just doing those basics, picking it up, this restaurant's too busy. I'm going to drop it. I'll take this order instead. And you're just kind of rushing through everything. Not really giving mm-hmm. a crap. You got to remember that on the other ends, there's a customer and in the bag you delivered, the restaurant might've even messed up what they did in there. So that's still on you. Cause otherwise they're going to rate you bad. If they try and contact you and say, Hey, this is all the wrong food. And, and if I, you're, if you're just like, whatever, dude, I don't care. Like you, you should expect a one star. <laughs> you should. I mean, these people just paid for food. They didn't get the right stuff. It took too long. The experience sucked. They're not going to tip you, but they're also going to rate you bad. Yeah. Yeah. That should not shock you. (laughs) I mean, it really, it shouldn't. It shouldn't shock people if that kind of stuff's happening. Yeah. And I want to, the stuff I see all the time, you know, that, that, uh, that drivers do, and then they're shocked that the customer wasn't happy. It's like, were you paying attention at all? You know, right? Yeah, and and yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting just to see. I I think that there's going to be some big changes still to come, um, because I just don't think that the way everybody's doing things is sustainable, and what those changes are going to be, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I I throw out all these ideas. This is what I think could happen. But I'm also not that deep of a thinker to think all of the repercussions. Because what happens if you try and get, you know, you go to an employee model, let's say, and maybe it could work. But what happens then if you can't get enough employees and now you're still stuck? Or your your turnover rate is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the other problem with with an employee thing. People claiming unemployment that's coming on you. You know, mm-hmm. like they worked for you for three weeks, even oh, screw this. Yeah. And now they're claiming unemployment. And I mean, is that going to well, fall on the franchise if that goes to that model? And I just all, yeah. does a franchise go out of business? So now is an area not served until they get a new franchisee in there? I mean, it's- and here's the thing about any kind of job you do is that so much relies on who you're working for, right? You know? And, and, and how can, how well can you stomach having to actually work for them? And it's like, great. Maybe you, you get a job, it's guaranteed, but these guys are terrible to work for. Right. And, you know, even if you're making more money, is it worth it? Sometimes, sometimes when you need the money, you do whatever you got to do, but you know, there, there's all that stuff that's involved with that. And, and I can't imagine any of these companies being a good employer. I can't imagine any one of these companies being the kind of place that, yeah, I would feel good going to work for them. Right. You know, they're, I, I don't believe for a second that any of them would, would treat me fairly or be reasonable or any of that stuff. Right. And so, 
you know, and, and that's, that's going to be part of the problem. It, it could be a good model, but, but at that point, you, you know, gotta be really McDonald's good at doing it. $18 an hour. So exactly. if they're going to go to an employee model and it's going to pay $18 an hour and it's your car. It's like, well, now maybe I do want to look at those W2 jobs. I've been driving by everywhere. Sure. I sure. don't want to, I don't want to do this because that's me for sure. If I had to, if I had to choose and it's, I had to take a W2, it's absolutely not going to be for any of these gig platforms. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can 100% guarantee that, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm good with it as long as it's an independent contractor status. Once it becomes not, there's, I mean, I probably have a better status to go out and get other jobs that, it, you know, if I had to and okay, but that's going to limit me on other things. But some people might, you know, just go, well, if you're going to do that, I mean, if you're going to pay me 17, I can go make 19 at McDonald's. Exactly. You yep. know, if it's going to be a shift anyway, I might as well just do this because then my car isn't wear and tear. I don't have my, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't think the, I don't think that that's going to work. Uh, we'll have to see what the W2, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what DoorDash does in New York, but I think that they're in a position after you talked about it, especially kind of reminded me that they're in a position to kind of sweep it under the carpet. If it goes bad, since they're not doing it with everybody and they're just kind of taking this select one hour group and saying, okay, you guys are W2. Did it might be easy to go. This failed. Just let's forget about that. Did you ever have, this is, it sounds a little off the topic, but were you ever at any of these places where McDonald's tried out like one of their concept restaurants? We used to have one when I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, they opened up a restaurant that they called the three in one. And so it was basically, it was an ice cream place. It was a bakery and it was kind of a mid-level dine-in place. And and I think it was actually a four-in-one. They called it a three-in-one, but it was actually a four-in-one because you could still do drive-through and get their traditional menu. The food was good. You know, it was actually, it was pretty good. It's hard to imagine just saying anything like that about a McDonald's, mm-hmm. but I really liked it. And, but it just, it never took off. And I think because people just couldn't put better food together with McDonald's, as long as their name was on it, anything upscale wasn't going to happen. Right. And, and so it, you know, it just, it never went anywhere, but you know, McDonald's is I, that what made me think of that is like what you said with a DoorDash, they can try some things like that and it could fail miserably and it's not going to hurt anything. And I think that's what, you know, McDonald's tried fried chicken in some places and it failed right. miserably. But it's or like Coca, okay. or Coca Cola trying to be Pepsi in the whatever that was with new yes. Coke. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> was exactly. just awful. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't old Coke that we all like, and it was, and it wasn't Pepsi. It was like just this awful thing. It's like, what are you doing? I uh, know. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is, and it took them a long time to get out of that too. It did. Yeah, I remember New Coke being around for like a year plus, like before they even brought back Coke Classic. Before they brought back Coke Classic, but even then, they still tried to make that secondary. <laughs> I know. I mean, and and it it was kind of like it took them a few years before they found. Oh, this this is a bad idea. Let's <laughs> just but, get rid of. The I guess old my stuff point there is the even new- after even if it was two years of New Coke, whatever it was, because it was a long time, 
they were able to just jump right back to old Coke and bring their, their shares right back to where they were. Sure. Sure. I mean, it was, yeah. And, and that's the thing I'm hoping is going to be the case kind of like with Uber Eats, with their little experiment in some places that, you know, that, you know, hiding, hiding some of the delivery information. I hope that it's a test that they realize is just a big failure and they move on rather than them taking that nationwide. Right. And, uh, you know, it, some of those things you just kind of hang back and it's like, okay, watch it. And you just hope, hope that it is just a test and, uh, that it doesn't go nationwide. Um, right. so some of the stuff like DoorDash is doing out there, right. you, you just kind of hold back and watch and everything like that. And, uh, but you also got to be ready for the fact that they might like whatever it is and take right. that on a bigger scale. Right. So be ready to pivot again. Always be ready to pivot as much. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Just as Don't, long as you're running a business, yeah. it doesn't matter what kind of business you're doing. You know, you're doing your, your lightsaber, your, your uh, laser stuff um, with my website, things like that. You always got to be ready. If Google decides that they want to change how they do things, you know, if you're a YouTuber, and YouTube changes their algorithm. And all of a sudden, you're not getting the people coming in and you're not getting the advertising. What do you do? You always got to be ready for those things. And that's just the fact with doing delivery. Always be ready. Yeah. And I am looking at it. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. You got a lot of cutting to do today. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I never cut. I never do. Um, no, that's true. So what are your, what are your, so yeah, speaking of that, so what are your final thoughts going into the new year or what do I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts for, for gig workers? You know, is it all gloom and doom or is it? Oh, hell no. You know, no, it, I think, I think, I think 2022 is what you decide to make of it. Yeah. And so if you decide that you're going to take control and you're going to make the decisions and you're going to look for ways that you can learn and grow and do more with what you're doing. It can be a fantastic year, no matter what DoorDash or Uber Eats or Uber or Lyft or Grubhub or any of these companies do. Right. Because you're taking control and you're taking your own life into your own hands. And it starts with the choices you make with delivery. But I think that it can grow into just your whole life. And, and as long as you take the attitude that it's like, it's in my hands, I think it can be a fantastic year. Right. Uh, even when it looks like it sucks for everybody else, right. it all depends on how you approach it. Right. And do um, people go back to W2 jobs that were W2 before the pandemic? Yeah. Part of it's going to play on the pandemic. I, I think that 2022 is going to be the best year since the pandemic anyway, like of the 2020, 2021, sure. I don't think there was much difference in those two years. They were both kind of crappy. <laughs> and so yeah. I honestly, at least me, I have hope for 2022 anyway. Um, I think so. I, you know, if nothing else, 2022, we're going to know more about yeah. where things are going. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, though there's going to be, it won't be as cloudy. Yeah. By the end of the year, I think we're going to have less, we're going to have a better idea of where things are going with the whole independent contractor status. Right. I think we're starting to get there anyway. And that's, that makes it hard. Uh, I think we're going to get a better feel for what things are like on you know the business side and where things are good and where they're not so good. 
And that'll make it easier for us to make decisions. As long as you got information, you can make decisions. So I think I think it can be a really good year, but it really is it it's up to us. And yeah. and and I think that's that's the biggest message I've got for anybody is you've got what it takes to make it a great year. And I think you've got more control over what kind of year it can be than you might give yourself credit for. And, and I think as long as you go at it with that attitude, um, it can turn into something more than just doing delivery. You know, the, the one problem with delivery, when I went into delivery, I thought, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy if I can get up to about 15 bucks an hour. I had no idea that I could make as much more. Right. I had no idea that it would actually end up paying more than what I made as a business manager. Right. But at the same time, it's kind of like, it's better than I would have imagined, but there's still a ceiling. Right. But because of what I've learned doing this and everything like that, it opens the door for other things. And I think that's where you want to really look at it is don't just look at the deliveries, but look at you and look at where you can grow. And, and if you're deciding to make those changes, um, I think you can make 2022 a, a fantastic year and, and maybe, you know, a year like you've never imagined it could be. Right. That's my I, I, I agree final thoughts. That. I do think, I do think the one only thing I'd add to it is, for those of you just going through the grind every day is to is to start and it's not a diss but to start opening your eyes to maybe other things you could do sure like we've been talking about like just kind of be open to the universe kind of thing you know well yeah and, I mean, and be uh, open to what you might be seeing and thinking no i can't do that but like be open to it be be sure. more receptive to what your brain's telling you because you know there's something to yeah. be said for what, when, when, you know, when you're talking to yourself, there's something to be said for that. It's not always yeah. a weird thing. <laughs> and so much of it, so much of it is your mindset. So much of it is how you look at it. Right. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that I think that delivery or rideshare or any of that can be a great launching point is because it puts you in a spot where your mindset really does make a lot of difference oh, yeah. and how you approach it and what you do makes a lot of difference. And once you get to that point where it's kind of like, Oh, I'm in control of this now and I get to make the decisions. I think that that opens the door for taking that so much further than you could ever get driving people around or delivering food or something like that. Because I think that's just such a, fundamental skill or a fundamental way of looking at things that once you've decided that, okay, I can do more and I'm going to do what it takes to be able to do more, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, and I think that, I, I think that's one thing I love about the gig economy is it opens people's eyes. They maybe never thought of themselves as a business owner before. They never thought they could run a business. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they start like, oh yeah, if if I go over here, I'm making more money. And they start realizing that their decisions are making a difference. Right. And, and I think when you start believing in yourself that way, 
all the places that that can take you that are so far beyond gig economy are just incredible out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I kind of feel the same way. I feel like next year could be huge for everybody, even just what you are doing right now. Just keep it up kind of thing. Like just stick with the program, play it through and, and get into the new year and let's see what happens. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I do feel like some, I don't know what it is, but something, I just feel like something's going to change shift here soon. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. It'll be maddening to watch, but yeah. I think it's going to be <laughs> an interesting year. May you well, live in interesting times. <laughs> um, so the last thing I want to ask too, before, before we bounce out of here, cause it, we have been running a bit, but um, what about what's up with you and the website and gig work and any of that coming into the new year or, uh, you know, nothing really much different there. Um, uh, uh, entrecourier.com yep. just continuing to put stuff up. Uh, this is a good time of year for me because this is when people start looking for information about taxes. Yep. So we got a lot of information on that. And so, um, you know, just, I just keep putting up stuff as far as, you know, about, the business of the gig economy is, yeah. is really what that's all about. And then um, one of the changes probably for me, as far as the gig work itself is that I'm, you know, trying to get into a lot more different things. So, you know, for three plus years, it was DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, and a little bit of Postmates. Right. And, you know, now, and I think especially with Postmates going away or being, you know, swallowed up by Uber Eats, um, I think it's it's important just to have as many options out there as available. I I keep thinking, oh, maybe I should give Instacart a try, <laughs> you know, because mostly so that I can kind of write about my experiences with that. Yeah. You know, so I've been doing um, you know, I've done some VHO, which is like uh delivering Hello Fresh packages. I've done uh, some uh, deliver that, which is catering orders, and uh, I keep looking for some uh, good opportunities to uh, finally grab my first curry delivery, you know, and and just to you know start doing some different things. Uh, partly because I think because of the website growing, it gives me a little more freedom to take chances on some things that I don't have to worry as much about whether it pays as well for me. Right. But at least to still kind of give some perspective. So, you know, I think that's, that's the thing where I'll be trying out a lot of different things and using that to kind of write my experience and let people know at least, Hey, this is what worked for me. This is what didn't work for me. This is why I liked it. This is why you might like it. This is why you might not like it. And so hopefully more of that coming up. So for those of you that don't, don't know the, his website will be in the show notes. It's entrecourier.com. Everybody should go take a look at it. If you're in the gig economy, he's got, Ron's got all kinds of stuff up there and it's been up for a while. So just go play with the website for a while. I mean, he's got, a, it really does have a lot of info on there. So, um, yeah. and his articles are always good too. He's one of those guys that can put up good articles. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, well, I'm always that. giving you props, man. I like your, I like <laughs> your stuff. So, um, thanks Ron that. for coming Thank on you. and, uh, Everybody have a awesome happy new year. I guess that's happening this week. <laughs> I know. We're I still days, feel like it should be August. Out. <laughs> 5 days out from a new year, so okay. 
Well, thank you, Ron. Um, Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Happy holidays. And uh, we'll talk soon. Have a great new year. Thank you. Yep. Oh my gosh. The time on the podcast have gotten so far away from me. (laughs) I'm going to reel it back in in the new year's guys. Um, I know that sometimes the live streams that I'm doing on, on YouTube, those can run an hour and a half to two hours. That's, that can be kind of common. They might just run an hour. You never know. Um, but I'm going to be getting the Rideshare Rodeo Tuesday podcast back into the hour to hour 20 kind of zone in the new year. Because um, all of these have been running long just because it's been the holidays and we've been taking some extra time to chat with people and whatnot. And I don't, I don't regret it at all, but I will reel it back in for the Tuesday podcast. And uh, remember that we now are on Patreon, so um, I'm going to put out all that information next week, not this. I want to get a few more things dialed, but there's already content up there. Um, I'm still establishing the tiers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've, we're gonna, you're, you're going to be able to access content that, that you haven't been able to hear. You're going to be able to hear in, um, pre-interview interviews, uh, post-interviews, um, just miscellaneous pieces that have never been posted. And uh, some other surprises over there, too. So um, more information on that next week because Jason Thierry will be with me and he has had a Patreon account for a long time. So I actually might be getting some of his advice on the podcast next week. That said, uh, we'll see you again on Thursday on the live. If you want to catch the live stream of Willie, William Anderson, Willie Boots and I. Um, So you can catch us on YouTube on Rideshare Rodeo's channel. Uh, Thursday evening. So until then, have a great week. Be safe and go spin some good into this crazy world. We'll see you back here next week on Rodeo.